Yeah, dirty bows here, Simon. Come out now and fight. You need to be more like a dog. We don't need a bunch of cats in here. Yeah, looking in the mirror. Be a dog. Whatever happens in Leash, it's always a scandal. Why do you think that was? Probably because we're always drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> no smoke without fire, that goes to light. I met Tomas O'Shea one day and he said, I'm sick of that northern crowd. He said if they went set dancing twice a week, we'd all be set dancing twice a week. I can remember a lad, Jay Booth, right? And he was getting sick, right line like that, <laughs> looking at me like, and I'm going, this is not helping me here. Every man, woman and monkey in me all is nearly writing them off. Shake the bucket! That's it! All right, you're uh, very welcome to our panel this Saturday afternoon. Up for discussion today, Roland O'Gara said he had hoped to play one more time for Ireland and then ride off into the sunset. But does that ever really happen in sport? We're also talking about the US Masters, which starts next Thursday. And just how far is it? How far is it okay to go when you're coaching a team? This is uh, on the back of Mike Rice, the Rutgers coach in the States, being sacked for throwing basketballs at his own team and uh, generally manhandling them. Uh, Also asking today, do teams of destiny really exist or is it only ever in retrospect that the winners say we were a team of destiny? On our panel this afternoon, Eugene McGee, of course, uh, former Offaly manager, regular contributor here and chairman of the Football Review Committee. John Kelly, one of Ireland's leading golf teachers, a regular voice of golf on News Talk here as well. And Frank McNally, author of An Irishman's Diary in the Irish Times. You're all very welcome. Thank you. Eugene, I haven't had um, a chance really to talk to you in person since um, one of your greatest triumphs. Yeah, uh, I am amused when Frank uh, congratulated me on the way in with the black cards. I've been congratulated about a few things over the years, I suppose, like winning a match or something, but to be congratulated, if anybody told you a year ago, there'd be a whole crowd of fellas congratulating you because you're bringing in black cards. Uh, I think I'd be looking for fellas in white coats, but... Uh, the, the importance of it will only be seen in the future is the actual black card itself and what it leads to is minuscule in terms of Gaelic football, really. But there was a, there were more some important things involved in that decision. First of all, it will set a template for how the GA is to make changes in the future. That's kind of the most important thing. That, that is the most important thing. It, it, and like, secondly, it has shown quite clearly to all other sports uh, who are at times perfectly... Uh, Perfectly correct in in, in in you know criticizing the GA for things to do or not do, and because there's no doubt about there is, especially in the matter of discipline. This this has set a, a message. The GA decided at Congress by a, a wide majority that they wish to change three or four things which are distasteful in Gaelic football, and therefore, if there are more of those over this year or next year or five years' time, we have the procedures now for doing it, and our organisation will do and do it because a lot of people said, "Actually, the GL never changed; they want to kick the child over each other day after day." Yeah, that's the most important thing, really. That um, the, the not what you've changed, but that as an agent of change, you've now given the architecture to the GA to be able to do this again whenever they need to. Yeah, everything in this it was scientifically done. When we use new technology, first of all, to communicate with a lot of people, 3,190 replied to service, which is incredible for any survey and anybody, any group of Irish people, no matter what it is. And uh, we spoke to about 1,000 others all over the country in, uh, in, in focus groups and everything like that. But, I mean, we had research back, we had just research as well. I mean, there were 61 DVDs researched over the last 10 years from minor club football up to all areas. And there was 1,500 hours spent by, by uh, graduate PCD, PhD students in DCU. And they forensically examined every match, and it's on record, and it's on a database. So it'll be there forevermore. And if in five years' time something like that is needed again, all they'd have to do is pull out the old ones and replenish the new ones, and you get a 15-year cycle. I mean, it covered everything, like, from 
Oh, how, how long it takes goalkeepers to 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 take kickouts? And yeah. I mean, you'd be amazed. One one famous goalkeeper last year who, who was involved in the closest stage of the Ireland final. I, I watched myself one day in a video, and I, that's not the way we typically analyze the videos. By the way, I was sitting there on a wet day, and I said, I began to notice something funny. I began to count. This guy was doing up to over thirty seconds for every every single kickout. Some of them thirty eight. He had he had developed a form of walking, which I have yet to see. <laughs> he could walk in six inch steps, right? Going forward to place the ball, which is uh, what is it, fourteen meters or something? Yeah. Then he'd stand and shake the ball and look around, and then he'd reverse at the same speed. Now it takes this a while only, to reverse. This is only when his team is ahead. Presumably. Yeah, when his team is ahead. That's that's the absolute. All the things that are causing problems nowadays in the technicalities of Gaelic football arise when your team is ahead. Hmm. And this it's a lesson there to be learned by those managers who have. A lot of savvy and who look at the teams who have been specialising in managing to hold on to leads. The idea, the, the number one thing is don't give them a lead. And then everything changes. Everything changes, including some of the top teams in the last few years. Everything changes if they're behind. For instance, Donegal last year got every break going forward in the, in the first match against Kerry. Got a free goal. And from there on, the lead. Now, if, if Dublin, if Kerry had to get the free goal and lead by five points... Jimmy Guinness would be well challenged, and I'm sure he responded to the challenge. But the point is, uh, if you're ahead in Gaelic football, now I used to always think that if you're ahead in soccer, it's much easier to, you know, put the barriers down and that's it, lads. No, no more goals. Yeah. But I mean, you wouldn't think it was possibly Gaelic because you can keep points. In theory, you could, should be able to keep points from 40 yards, but of course, in practice, you don't anymore. But you can still have the option. So, like, uh, what we have done here in the FRC and what will last for the future is. If the GA wishes to prevent things which are uh, very negative about the game and disturb the public and annoy the public who pay in, and that's I mean, people forget that there, you know, hundreds of thousands of people go to Gaelic games all through the summer. And people think it's only the big match in Crow Park, but in every parish in Ireland, you know, anybody born who has any connection with the country would know that. They go, they go to every match, junior matches, everything, and they get very agitated about them in a positive sense because it's local rivalry, and that's the, that's the great thing the GA has over. More so over all the other sports than, any, than that the, the local rivalry. And even if the teams are absolutely useless and they haven't won anything for 45 years, if they're playing the crowd next in the next parish, that's enough to get the show on the road. Yeah. And uh, that's what keeps them alive. Speaking of teams being, be, being behind, the reason that I congratulated Eugene on the way in was I was away for the GA con- Congress. I was away in Africa for a week. And before I flew out, uh, the, obviously the black card was one of the big stories. And its defeat seemed to be absolutely assured. He was uh, uh, the proposal was like six points down and playing into the wind. Um, Ulster had and a man down. six, yeah, and a man down. Ulster, six counties of Ulster had spoken against it. Three, including Monaghan, had yet to um, had yet to uh, declare their hands. And I went off thinking uh, oh, we're not going to see that proposal um, for for a couple of years, and came back. It was a, a, as an afterthought. Several days later, um, I heard somebody mentioning the black card as a thing as a thing with the future starting next year and I was quite shocked it was the greatest uh, to me it's the greatest one of the greatest comebacks since possibly Coke Park in 1982 yeah well um, I was uh, I, I spent myself and my colleagues spent uh, a long night on the night before the game uh, I met nobody in Derry the night, on the Friday night including people who were voting for it and people who were so called friends of mine not one ever said I think you're okay you're true here but I, well, it was four o'clock when I, I got to bed on, on Saturday morning and uh, there's a lot of talking now between seven o'clock at night and four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> a lot of other things as well. But I mean, it was carried mainly because the DVDs were shown on the screen before uh, that started the debate. Paul Early conducted the debate, he's a brilliant speaker. And uh, 
the DVDs were shown on the large screen and repeated in slow motion and you know they were like a horror story you know and uh, that that was the first seminal change in the event then uh, the speakers uh, we had we had uh, asked five people to speak uh, who were going to congress and who represented the different sections relevant to our topic in other words you know one person dealt with pulling down another person dealt with giving out to referees and uh, but we didn't realize that you know another uh, eight people volunteered to speak and they were excellent speakers as well they weren't asked or anything and then the president eventually had to say is there anybody here to speak against this which was our first uh, chink of light really and well the, the first time he, uh, Christy Ring Jr son of the famous Christy he, he spoke very briefly and it was on a, on a peripheral aspect of it which wasn't that relevant and then the chair I think it was the chairman of the Toronto County Board he spoke as well and he didn't speak very he didn't speak for very long he just wanted to stress that it was the unanimous decision of the Toronto County Board because some people were implying that Mickey Hart would have had an inordinate influence on Toronto yeah. so that was a valid point as well but look I was surprised I mean we, as you know you have to get 66 whatever it is 0.66 percentage and when the big screen came up, uh, I, I tell you, I've been in a lot of matches over the years which were tempestuous and pressurised, like all the managers have. I was involved in five lengths to finals in a row and a whole lot of other things in Ireland, semi-finals and two Ireland finals. And I never felt the same pressure as I did actually the hour before this because in a football match, if you're the manager or a top player, you cannot pre predetermine what time the event, the seminal event will take place. Yeah. That's dictated by events. But we knew that at around 12.30, this vote is going to come by the, by the time by the, flow, the way it was announced. And we get to the end, and then the president calls out, they, they have a press button, a button thing you press for, yes. for voting, mm. which means it's top secret, which in itself is very significant compared to the old days when you put up your hand mm. and everybody knew who you were voting. Sure. But, uh, gee, they've cocked on to that very quickly. But anyway, the, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, the president says you have 10 minutes to vote, 10 seconds to vote. And that's a long 10 seconds. And then there's a pause while this wonderful machine works. And thankfully it did work this time. It didn't jam. But anyway, not like the, I was reading about the Grand National 30, 20 years ago when the, the pause started when the fellow couldn't pull this. Was switch. that 20 years ago? Wow. Yeah. Wow. But, uh, oh, look, the, the tension in that in those 10 or 20 seconds was horrific. You know, really, for me, anyway, and I'm sure all the other lads the same. It was because... Well, the price of failure, not for us, because we were just, we were only temporarily moving on and we would be gone over this and shortly. But I mean, the damage, how would the GA go about ever changing anything again? That's the point. After the, the work we had done, the analysis and the scientific work and the modern technology being used and all, how, where would you start again? That was the big fear for, for us, like that we'd leave, oh, we'd leave a sinking ship that couldn't be changed. You know, and, uh, so it was a ma- massive relief. I did shed a tear, yeah, because. So much work I got into, but not by. I wasn't the main. There were other people there who were brilliant. I had now on. You know, I was lucky. Picked, handpicked the people I did because I, I. He asked me to pick the committee, and he said he wanted to be a small committee, and he wanted to be relatively ordinary people. He didn't want former chairmen, former presidents, um, forthcoming presidents, uh, bishops, parish priests. Nothing. An ordinary group of people that would represent the man and woman all over Ireland and abroad who loves Gaelic football. Loves the game. That's the crucial thing. Loves the game. They don't have to be stars. They have to have a, a love for the game. Yeah. And therefore, they feel cheated if their game has been abused. That's that's the that's the gist of it. And their game is being abused slightly, as, to a slight extent, by this cynical stuff. 
That's a modern creation in Gaelic football, that's true. It's very reassuring and refreshing to know that a debate, an actual live debate, can still decide something in Ireland. We're so used to debates being, you Each know, dead managed, set pieces yeah. like or in politics, invariably, yeah, where, yeah. The, where the vote is preordained. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how brilliant uh, the speakers are on either side because you know they're going to line up, the numbers are already decided. Um, it's, it's quite thrilling. It's the first I've, I've mm. heard it described directly since because I was away. To to know that you had no premonition of victory until that until well, that I, I never gave up uh, started uh, because uh, when I saw the DVDs when I saw, when I saw them the Thursday before the, that had been put together by the, some of the committee members, I said this is going to this is going it's very going to be a very hard speech against these. I, I saw one of the videos. Yeah, they were pretty I mean, uh, I don't know <laughs> what Joe McDonough summed up. I can't remember his word. He, 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 he quoted one of the top film film directors, uh, uh, you know, but about it, and said it was mild compared to this. But uh, <laughs> Tarantino was it? <laughs> it looked, it looked, uh, but look, it was the truth. It was the yeah. truth. Because as it happened in the National League over the last since it started this year on Satanta and on Tina G, in every single match there were glaring examples of people who had been pulled down. You know. Mm. Uh, uh, the, the one I, 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 a, I was personally not involved, but I, I know it was I was watching the Longford match against Armagh in the Lady Grounds, and David Barden, who was a fine footballer, he had caught a ball way over his head, the opponent's head, turned a header for goals, and just as he was reaching the the fourteen yard line, he was pulled down. Uh, the fellow grabbed him from behind, Ruby style, pulled him down. Mm. Okay, yellow card, one point, mm. big deal. Yeah. Uh, Longford beaten by two points, right? Yeah. He'd have scored a goal because I know his style. Yeah. He would at that stage. He would have ninety nine percent chance of scoring a goal. So there were numerous other ones. They got the only goal to their own match. It was a pretty yeah. dogged affair as well in the National League. You know? um, the problem is, it got to the stage where there was there's pressure on players to do that because no, unless there's oh, a yeah, sufficient yeah. deterrent, it is the uh, to use the word that should never be used in GA. It's a professional thing to do. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, I just I want to add one other point. It's I understand why ma- some managers and only a minority were kicking about this. And I understand how players are kicking about it because they're in the system now and they're, they're working the system uh, very well and working hard at it, you know, and they're perfectly entitled to, to not to want a new system. But that's when people like on the FRC, we have to step aside and look at the national thing mm. and that whole thing. And it's wrong for the whole game for that going on. Players will adapt very quickly. Managers will adapt. They'll teach the players how to tackle properly without fouling. I hope they will anyway. Yeah, they're in the bubble and you guys aren't in the bubble. And that's the, the point, I suppose. Um, John, you're a, you make your living as a professional sports person in, in golf. Um, and I know you're a Gaelic football fan. Every yeah. time you come in on the Sundays, you'd have a, an eye on, yeah. on one game. Yeah, dubs. Yeah. Um, did you as a... A football fan think that football heads needed a tweak? Oh, absolutely. That's what I was just going to say there, Jar. is that like, it's a long time since I played GAA. It's probably, I played last GAA game was probably when I was a minor, which is 20 years ago. That's for men or men. Yeah. But uh, I still love the game. I'd still be a great supporter of the GAA. We'd still go to my old club. I'd still go and watch them in the Dublin Championship. And for me as a fan, as a paying customer, it was ruining the game for me. Like I was going and you get so annoyed because it had got so bad. And to see, to hear what Eugene is saying again, like you read about it in the paper and that, but to see what the GAA have done as an amateur association to go and be so professional about doing something about the biggest problem in the game, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. And as a sports fan, then watch other sports, and I, I watched rugby, and they have such a massive problem with the scrum. Mm. And the same thing is, but they're doing nothing about it, and they're supposed to be professional. So it'll be interesting to see. The one thing I would say about it is, I feel sorry for the referees. Like the referees are going to have a tough time now. Like, when does the cynical foul become a yellow card, and when does it become a sending off? Like, in some ways, I would have said, just send them off. 
Well, I, I think that, 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 that's probably been overrated slightly because I think, the, first of all, the referees are very much for all this. That's the first thing. And uh, we are actually meeting the referees in a couple of weeks' time, including, uh, I think, eight, eight club referees from all over Ireland. And, uh, no, there, there'll be an initial... The big difference about this, when these things were tried before in the GA, there was an experimental period. Now, that's, that's a license to kill as far as managers are concerned because they just killed them. The, the sin bin was the big obvious one a few years ago. Everybody was in favour of the sin bin. The manager said, no, thanks, we don't want the sin yeah, bin. So, so it was scuttled, and that was it. So this time, there's no experiments. Instead of that, they get nine months to prepare for it. And after that, it's in. It can't be changed without, a, thank God, a two-thirds majority. And the chances <laughs> of that happening in my lifetime are very slight. So therefore, it's, it's there to stay now. And the managers will, and they're all bright, smart people. Of course, they'll adapt very quickly and they'll make sure that come January and February, none of their players are going to commit those fouls because they'll look, they'll look silly. The players will look silly and the players will be very embarrassed when they walk off the field with a black card because there are only three crimes they can commit in play. Pulling down, uh, I've said them so often, I've nearly, I've nearly <laughs> blotted out my memory, but the three of them, everybody watching the match will know if a guy is sent off for a black card, that Egypt, why did he do that? There's only three things and he got caught. So... The, the players will be very careful because they don't want to be embarrassed in front of their own fans. Right, and they want people to say, what's so many either youth and not being sent off for, for pulling a fellow down like that? I yeah. might just want to bring everybody up to date. It's uh, now Reading nil Southampton 2. Adam Lallana has scored the uh, second goal for Southampton. So that's, um, that's pretty much Reading done for the season, you have to say, at this stage. And probably Southampton safe as well, given the difficulty that all the teams around them are having. So um, Southampton finally beating one of the teams around them as opposed to one of the teams in the top six, which they've had no problem doing over the last number of weeks. 53106 is the text number. I might ask you all just to stick your headphones on there because I want to play a clip of uh, Ronald O'Gara speaking during the week at the press conference ahead of the Munster game in the Heineken Cup tomorrow. I was omitted from the squad probably a few weeks ago and that's really really disappointing and then like Decky got his news yesterday and I'm sure he's hugely disappointed and it's you know I know the man really well and like, he's been there for my whole career so it would be remiss of me not to you know compliment him on what he has achieved and the Grand Slam has been a master stroke really but that's the standards we need to be we need to be contesting Grand Slams every year and the last few years we haven't been so in this ruthless business, you get moved on for the next person, and that's, you know, unfortunately what's happened to Deckies. For the Scottish game, I was the better option, but that would change in the summertime that the new boys need to be promoted, and that's exactly what I would have backed as well. But for a crucial away game, I thought I would have done the job against Scotland, and then at least you can walk off into the sunset happy. Yeah, walk off into the sunset happy was the, the last thing he said there. John, sport is a ruthless, cruel business. You don't really get to walk off into the sunset, do you? Oh, at least as a player of an individual sport, I can somewhat decide when I want to play and when I can't play. But I know for a professional sports person, who they are where they are because of their egos, really. They all think they're the greatest player in the world, whether it's a rugby player or a soccer player or whatever. And then for someone else to come in and make the decision for you to say, so you're not good enough, you're dropped. That must be the hardest thing for any professional athlete in any sport to take. And like you hear Ronan there and you just think, you can hear by him, he wants to keep on playing. But in the back of his head, he must know he's not, he's not up to it anymore. Like he's just not good enough. Whereas, but it's been taken out of his hands. So the one thing you can be sure, his performance will improve, I'd say, in the next little while because he'll try and prove everyone wrong. And the one thing... Like, if you tell a sportsman you can't do something, the one thing he's going to do is go out and prove you're wrong. He's going to go and perform. So I wouldn't be surprised if he came back. But realistic, long term, 
I think he's gone out of the Irish scene. He'd be played for Munster, all right, at a lower level. But I think Seaman in a green jersey again could be a... Don't think so, I'm afraid. Do you think it was naive of him to think that maybe he was going to get that opportunity to stroll off into the sunset? Absolutely, but that's what sportsmen are. We're all naive. Like we, the reality of a sportsman isn't reality at all. Like, you, the one thing you wouldn't do to any of those guys is say to them after coming off, Ronan, you didn't play great there, though, did you? Because you know he's not... He doesn't like that. They think they're perfect all the time. Like, all the top guys who I know, you daren't say, oh, that wasn't great. No, you sh- that should have been different there. Because they don't... Reality for a sportsman is not reality. And sometimes you look at it and you say, is he really seeing what's going on? And that, that's that's what makes them what they are. Like, there's a famous story of, in my own sport, Jack Nicklaus saying very publicly that he's never missed a putt from inside eight feet on the final nine of a major. And yeah. some guy stands up in the crowd and says, Jack, you're wrong. I've seen in whatever, Augusta 19, yeah, whatever it was, and you missed it. And he said, no, I didn't. And that's it. It's just, no, I didn't. And that's where poor Ronan O'Gara is still, still thinking he's got the world at his feet, that he's as good as player as he was then. But that, unfortunately, he's not. No, that naivety expresses itself uh, most uh, dramatically, I suppose, when you when you reach the end. I mean, yeah. uh, it's a uh, you know, I, I listened to uh, a bit more of Algar's statement there, you know, and it's interesting his relationship with with uh, Kidney is obviously frayed slightly. Now, they've been together for what Algar's twenty six and sixteen, I say, maybe even younger, twenty years. They're definitely school uh, teachers. You know, I have had mixed times with him. But I respected him, which and that's exactly uh, true. I would say he, he did always respect him because he was the, his manager or his coach, and he produced the goods for Agara when Agara needed that done. But I have had mixed times. Now the mixed times obviously uh, reached its its, pen, its ultimate uh, when he was fired. I'd love to know how that was done because. It's a difficult thing in any sport, team sport, like to, to tell your, your most one of your most famous players. Um, you have to go, you know, and not very few of them in in, in Jay, Very few of them ever volunteer to go. By the way, <laughs> very very few. Of them. But you can't blame them because uh, they all no, but I mean, the when you reach uh, thirty five or six, and there's you know, I see John Milan talking about coming back at forty. Is it? No, Milan's only thirty two. No, sorry, the other man, um, Tony Brown, is it? Tony Brown, yeah, yeah forty. Uh, I, I think uh, O'Gara is a, a typical example because he, I don't know the man personally but he seems an, an excellent type of a person uh, a wonderful ambassador for the game he can speak well and all that sort of stuff but he did say then that the players coming in now uh, in the last few years in the Irish setup, they seem to think that it's only a matter of time for them to win uh, everything you know uh, Grand Slams and everything like that even though Ireland have only won two and whatever it is 60 years, yeah. years. and he, he's, he's pinpointing a very serious problem here because that's, that's the reality and I think you mentioned earlier about the question of destiny and so on uh, it's very easy for the public to assume that destiny has beckoned them and said go ahead destiny will look after you now I mean Irish, Irish had, a, had a euphoric period in rugby in the last few years let's face it and a lot of Irish people uh, especially those uh, rel- relatively new to rugby, you know, like as as in all the sports, there's a great great um, fraternisation between sports now. Rugby, Gaelic soccer, they all, all the public go to the mall, 
uh, and obviously most of them are only expert in one of the sports, but yeah. they like the others. But I mean, there probably is an assumption by a lot of people who support Irish rugby that look at this, it's only a matter of getting a new manager and we'll be back on the show, everything will be fine again because we'll have a whole brand of new play. It t- you it's can't like, get a like jar over it, you can't pull in a jar over the hat in Leicester or anywhere else. It's like the new reality, yeah, for a generation out there that uh, we, you know, Ireland wins at rugby now, you know, we expect to, yeah. expect to beat most, most teams in Europe and even have a crack at the Southern Hemisphere too. Um, as a matter of interest, I was wondering while you were speaking there and um, getting back to a certain famous football match, did Seamus Darby play again after 1982? He was at the end of his career, in fact. Uh, um, much. Did he did he play again the following season? Believe it or not, it's one of the many questions I've been asked over the years about different things that I can't answer. I, I think he did, yes, but I mean he was thirty two that time anyway, you know. Yeah. And people forget it, the point that he had scored. In the, people thought he came out. He was pulled over a hat for that match. He scored one goal and three points in the Leinster final against Dublin that year, but that's, that of course is irrelevant <laughs> compared to what happened. Whether he played or not, I, I don't. I don't, and I'm sure most people except himself probably don't remember anything that happened after that. But um, that's the role model. I imagine that's how you. Yeah, <laughs> I remember what happened. That's after how you Dublin want to retire in the sports Leinster <laughs> final the year after. Sorry. I remember that as a dub. I remember well, Dublin beating off in the Leinster oh final yeah, the year yeah, after. Oh yeah, that's yeah, what happened after Frank. No, see, that's completely lost. That's a dub, you see. Do you know what was a factor in that eighty-three Leinster final? Because I was reminded again there when I was attending Kevin Heffernan's funeral and removal. Like you know, it's very very sad to hear, but he was he was one of the greatest men ever in the history of the G. In my opinion, even though I was we were violently opponents for several years, but that's beside the point. But I didn't realise until about five years ago that uh, the previous year we had beaten Dublin by 10 points, I think, in the Leicester final, which was a fairly sensational result. And, 82. Uh, 82. And I didn't realise that one of the awfully players, who had been nameless for the moment, as he was walking by Heffernan after the match, he said, Jesus, Kevin, I thought you said make a better match of it, right? Uh-oh. Now, <laughs> I knew Heffernan, I knew Heffernan's... Uh, intellect and approach to football uh, as, as much as anybody because they had walked behind him in Dublin County Finals with UCD five times so there, there wasn't much we didn't know about each other and, and hate and love about each other you know so I didn't know if I don't know that now because to be perfectly honest in the 83 getting into the 83 uh, Leinster Final I personally was not totally committed I was a bit a bit uh, blasé I thought we'd win it again and I, if I had a no what that, that, that expression, I, w- I certainly wouldn't have been caught. But that was typically Kevin Heffernan, and that's a wonderful thing about sport. Now I'd say, I'd say Alec Ferguson is the same. Yeah. Uh, if something, if he got one tiny piece of extra motivating factor, he'd magnify it a hundred times. That, that turned Dublin into a team of destiny yeah. for a nation. Uh, yeah, that, that was a, that was a <laughs> very average Dublin team, but that's, they would they end up in the twelve of horses and had a wonderful lot of success. But isn't it crazy that that something as small as that can actually make such a big difference? Yeah, for an intelligent manager or even a player, you will remember that. And, but the part, important point is, Heffernan had the capacity to do something about it. <laughs> a lot of managers wouldn't have the capacity to do something, but he, he planned it all around that, and he motivated himself initially and got a, a whole new Dublin team nearly. Legend has it that um, after the season after Leinster won the Heineken Cup at an Ireland training session, one of the Munster players said to one of the Leinster players, ah, we'll see how good you are now that Rocky Elson has gone. And Leinster murdered them every time they met for the next five seasons as a result of this. Now, it's, it's probably apocryphal, the impact that it had, but certainly everybody m- maintains that it happened and, and acted as inspiration. No, I would believe that. It wouldn't make me as dramatic as, as uh, subsequent events unfolded, but it could have been the catalyst anyway for the, for the change of emphasis that happened. That was when Leinster started beating Munster, wasn't it? Well, After. Th- th- yeah, I mean, it was when they started beating them as a matter of course. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt, Jared, that... 
the, the difference now between top class teams is very small and yeah. a, a throwaway comment like that is just enough for the guys to give a little bit more in training mm. like and you hear all these stories about that in the soccer that they stick things up on the notice board in the training rooms and this to just drive the players on because that's all it it's takes a, fo- a focal point I suppose that's just all something it that is. concentrates uh, some, some, it's like a mantra or um, a negative mantra that you well, can concentrate sure. minds yeah. or, or, GA games or, or, are um, notorious for remember poor old Babs Keating and his, his Dunkies don't win derbies and that was up on the notice board for what country <laughs> was he playing in Cork was it yeah. I think it was Cork in the Monster final you don't win anything the, with boys. Ferguson, wasn't it? Uh, nothing with kids, yeah. With kids, yeah. Alan Hansen, uh, I was thinking yeah. of the sheep in the heap when he was referring to his own Offaly team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. That was a different... This idea of, ro- of rugby players though, walking off into the sunset of May, I was in, I was in Lansdowne Road when uh, Brian O'Driscoll had what everybody there was thinking was maybe his last match, and last home match, last match in Dublin, and... Um, and as the as the game ends, and he's like he's as usual, but then he's battered, and he's uh, he's he's been hit in the head, and he's um, he's, he's walking on one leg and whatever. And when he did when he did limp off with whatever it was five five minutes to go or something, um, it was a bit bit longer than that. Cause it was when France scored the try while he was off the field. Typically, um, it was one of those things where if you had your kid with you, you'd said uh, you've got to remember this. You know, mm. this man walking off. Uh, absolute legend, maybe the greatest player to play for. And we wanted to give him a spine tingling send off, and a lot of the crowd did get up and give him a standing ovation. And then, you know, life is messy, and so is sport. Three, he comes three, back on. three or four <laughs> minutes later, a try conceded. He's ba- he limps back on and plays for the rest of the match. So you know, it probably still it may well have been the last time we saw him, but you don't get yeah. Well, sportsman reality doesn't allow. It doesn't yeah. allow the walking off into the sunset, even if, if you choose yeah. the right time to go. Even if you are, though, Ronan O'Gara, who is one of the central figures for all of Declan Kidney's great triumphs, that uh, somebody's texted in to say that every time a Kidney team lifted a cup, O'Gara was playing, mm. that Kidney didn't owe O'Gara, or it, did he owe O'Gara the opportunity? Or, yeah. or was that ruthlessness exactly what a professional no. like would O'Gara no, if, if, if it wasn't done properly, which was, in my opinion, I'm, I'm not nothing about rugby management, but in any management, uh, you would go to meet the player privately, probably over lunch or something, or a pint if that was allowed at the time, and go through it and say, look, at, uh, we have to start a new team here. The fans are uh, the people around me here. We have to get new players, new players, new players, and. Uh, I think at that stage Scotland were, were out of the possibility of winning well Kidney was still trying to save his job yeah but I mean that, like, was, well, that was the extenuating factor as well but I mean in other words if, if it was just an, if, if, if the announcement of the team was the only notification Garner got in advance that is very wrong in my opinion I don't mm-hmm. care professional parameter I think, I think if there's he a was better told, way to he, was, he was definitely told he was told yeah, well, yeah. you know then he was told before everybody else was. I know he wanted he wanted this one song with Scotland, but sure, if, you, if that match had to go on, maybe he'd say, "Look, I'd like to get another, I'd like to play in the tournament in America, or whatever." You know, so yeah. I don't know now. We don't know the match. As, as, as I descend into uh, middle age, one of my sport I never saw him play, but one of my sporting heroes is in a different uh, different ball game. Uh, Stanley Matthews, who continued playing in the old. Division one, I think, until he was fifty-two, and who, after, even after that, said he thought he'd gone a bit early. He, th- mm. he thought he had a couple of seasons and left. Uh, but I have since heard it said of him that in his latter seasons, that he was being—it was widely suggested he was being accommodated for, for um, sentimental reasons on the team. You know, yeah. that didn't we weren't strictly justified. Uh, maybe to add some bums on seats. Well, that as well, but but that uh, David Beckham that, style. That maybe he didn't go. Uh, maybe he didn't go early as he uh, as he. 
And the, atti- the attitude of the, of, the, of the veteran player to the team, the current team, is very important as well, you yeah. know, because it, like, is he going to be uh, compliant uh, as he moves out of the stage, like Nekogara now? Like, is he going to be all the way behind all the present team and anxious, anxious to, to uh, divide the gap, narrow the gap or whatever? You know, um, that's very important because if a fellow, a famous, uh, iconic figure walks out in, in, in a huff, for want a better word, there's damage left after you have to, somebody has to go sorting it out like you know yeah. and uh, I can see a lot of GA players definitely have gone that way like you know the, a new manager comes in or something there's a big long gap in the winter for GA players I suppose that gives you a chance to phase out and let the media keep on asking every every second week are you coming back you know yeah mm. I think though as well as that is Declan Kidney as you said there was protecting his job there's, there's no place for loyalty when you're playing professional sport like, you've got to pick the guy who's going to do the best job for you. And I don't think um, any would have compl- anyone would have complained when O'Gara wasn't picked. Like, he just wasn't wasn't yeah. cutting it, as simple as that. And it's it depends on how it's done. It has to be done correctly, as Eugene says. But at the same time, Declan and Kidney, would he have won without Ronan O'Gara? And would Ronan O'Gara have won without Declan and Kidney? Like, you'll never know, but that's sport. Yeah. Like, the two of them were in the right place at the right time. So I wouldn't say... Without Ronan O'Gara, Declan Kidney, we wouldn't have won the Grand Slam. We could have done it with anyone. It's possible. We had a great team. We don't know. We never know. And that's sport. The thing is, we did do it with O'Gara, though. That, like, that's we did, but would we have done it without him? Well, I think O'Gara's name would, would never be... I mean, you know, we remember some of the incredible penalty kicks that, that had to be done at the relevant time to save a team from annihilation or yeah. to win it or win and a trophy. And I mean... I know it's like the free takers in, in the penalty takers in soccer, I suppose, and the free takers in Gaelic and Hurland. But uh, you know, they uh, that's when everything crystallises in the moment, uh, in a flash. And, and is the person capable of responding and doing the right thing, or does he blow it? Sure, we all have horror stories in all our different sports. But as who missed a penalty or missed a free and all this sort of stuff, you know, they go down in, in legend too, like you know. Yeah, yeah and there's, there's plenty of guys legend. out there we, we, who you might never have heard of who might, given the opportunity, yeah, might have been yeah. O'Gara yeah, yeah, yeah. that we'll never know. Yeah. Like, and it's the same like Madigan at the moment. Like, he's so good, but he's not getting a chance. He's got a chance in the last couple of games, all right. But you think if if he had got an earlier chance instead of Sexton or whatever, you don't know. Uh, or you'll even, never know. Even six months ago, if he'd been playing for Ireland yeah, correct. and uh, blooded in the November internationals. We've got to take a quick break. 53106 is the text number. Loads of texts coming in for uh, Frank, John and Eugene and we'll get to them after these. Okay, our panel this afternoon, Eugene McGee, John Kelly and Frank McNally. Uh, We've uh, already talked a good bit about the black cards and the notion of destiny came up a little bit uh, earlier as well. I just kind of wanted to tease that out a bit because we were actually talking during the week about Real Madrid and uh, in the Champions League, the way that they'd um, recently got a good decision against Manchester United when Nani was sent off and then a good draw against Galatasaray and Miguel Delaney was on just making the point that there is a sense of destiny about this team that perhaps it's written that they're actually going to win. And I wanted to know, do you guys think that this exists? Does this happen in sport where sometime a team gets it in their head that they're unbeatable and as a result they are unbeatable I, I think there's a sense of Jose Mourinho about, about the team because every team he takes over they, they, they tend to win big things you know I, I think that has more to do with it than any ethereal sense of destiny but I don't know. Um, was it Baltimore Ravens in, in, in America or they, or they almost they almost like um, they almost took out a patent on the term team of destiny apparently in this past season I don't follow that sport much 
but for, for all, all sorts of reasons throughout the season they were being described as yeah. team of destiny and yeah. ones that did They it. also had some supercharged help along the way when the guy who tore triceps Ray Lewis who's their spiritual leader miraculously recovered through the <laughs> use of banned deer antler spray to make it back in time <laughs> But they also had God on their side I gather that was uh, religion he, he, was a big yeah, a, aspect a, through him Yeah, obviously. He's a big believer in God alright yeah. God and deer antler spray But because they won it's almost now accepted as fact that they were a team of destiny whereas mm. if they've been beaten in the final which they could easily have been isn't it, and isn't it I mean I think you, you could call it destiny you could call it luck every, every now and again you must know this golfers must know this more than the, the, every now and again for reasons that you don't you yourself don't understand everything falls for you You know, you absolutely but yeah. it's not like you can call it destiny you can call it what you like but if, if you've prepared properly for the event you have to have done the preparation destiny isn't going to win you anything there's no 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 team is going to win because of destiny but if you can, as a manager or as a coach or even as a player, if you believe that it's your destiny to win, that's going to give you a little bit of an advantage again. So if, if, you, if, if as a coach, I'd be saying to players, all right, oh, this is our destiny. We're meant to win this. Just to get them to believe that they win, they're going to win. But to say that destiny plays a role in anything, I'm afraid there's not a chance. Like, because you, there's too many things outside of your control, so you don't know. But if you, if you prepare properly, wait and see... It's a sport, though, Jerry, isn't it? Though, isn't it? that's what it is. We don't know. We like to believe that there's some thing, some greater thing happening out there we don't know about. But there's this famous expression every you hear it every year that a, a team a team's name is on the cup. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're talking it, about. Yeah, that that. But you know, it's a cu- usually an accumulation but of lucky incidents to follow. Yeah, if you, right. you follow them throughout the season and do an audit, I'd say there are plenty of teams whose names Absolutely. were on the cup that had to be scratched the uh, one, halfway through the season. The one sport, my sport again, like the one I'll, I'll never forget watching um, the Open when it was on Tornbury There, I think it was what 2010 or 2011, 2010, I think it was. Yeah, and Tom Watson coming out from coming from what we was 59 I think at the time and after winning the British Open in Turnbury in 1977 in the greatest Open that ever was beating Jack Nicklaus and goes into the final round leading mm-hmm. and he comes to the 18th green and all he needs is to make a four to win the British Open at 59 and you think this is just meant to be and hits it through the back doesn't make the put and Stewart sink beats in the playoff so poor Destiny just should have, have hung killed, around for another 10 Destiny minutes it would have been it. fine yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's often used as a psychological weapon, of course, by those who, 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 for whom destiny is attributed. I mean, cause it's a great advantage to, to, for other people to be seen. Oh, the, the, your name is on the cup of destiny and so on. As well, Real Madrid have a record, I suppose, to back it up. But I think, uh, am I right in saying they've only won Champions League three times in the last 25 years? Is that correct? Probably. Real Madrid. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, the where does destiny come in there? You know, I mean, I, I just mentioned. Uh, That's why this season might be different, though. So, yeah, well, yeah, I mentioned uh, uh, earlier. Uh, you'd know Frank as uh, speaking of a county cabin, mm-hmm. your neighbours, former neighbours, or whatever. Like in a period, in a, in a, in a, in a they played in ten All Ireland finals in nineteen years, thirty three to fifty two, right, including mm-hmm. a couple of replays, and they won five of them. Now, at that stage, Cavan were the uh, a close second to Kerry yeah. uh, over all that period. And everybody said, oh, they're destined to do that and this, that and the other. And they had already dominated, uh, won 45 Monster Championships because nobody else in, in, in Ulster was able to win matches for the first 50 years of the GA anyway. I think yeah. Monaghan won one away back in 1914 or something. Did you? Monaghan were, until recent years, Monaghan were second to Calvin in the role of honour with 13. Yeah, so. oh, then, yeah. You know, but I mean, 37 the destiny is ephemeral. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's definitely not permanent anyway. You know, it's... Uh, it, 
a clever backroom team and team management and all that I mean Real Madrid uh, uh, yeah, they, have, they have a very unusual setup, haven't they for they're electing their, their president and uh, mm-hmm. they have a kind of a a group of people who finance the club and then they yeah, vote including uh, the Spanish uh, so, government yeah, from time yeah, to time yeah, and then they have this fabulous statement, sta- uh, stadium which is you know iconic for every young lad involved in football his life ambition should be to walk there and see it so these are all things that had them before any ball has ever kicked you know the structures the stadium Manchester United will be the same yeah. I mean they, Manchester United win matches an awful, match, match, an awful lot of matches in the Premiership just because of Manchester United yeah. absolutely no doubt about it's, that it's that point though that um in a single season, whether or not a season can suddenly get momentum from a couple of incidents, and then everybody goes, "Ooh, this is this is falling for us." Mm, well, it's you know, they usually say, "Well, that's Tipple United." You know, the goals in the last minute. Mm-hmm. You know, that's Tipple United, as if you know they're, they're only they're scored because somebody uh, managed to score a goal. But I mean, they, they, the, the 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 public, uh, the, the, the the fanatical followers, especially, they say, oh, "Tipple United, they're never beaten." You know, they used to say that about Kerry as well, right? Now, Kerry have been beaten a lot in the last 10 or 20 years. They went 12 years on Tony O'Shea, won and learned, but they win no one at all. And they've been beaten three times by Tyrone and beaten by Armagh. So, you know, the old, ter- you know, you used to always hear about a Kerry finish. Mm. In other words, you don't worry, how far Kerry are behind, they'll win it anyway. Mm. They'll be at the Kerry finish. Well, Dublin dismantled that in the 70s as well. Like, so, you know, Mead the, had that a few years ago. Yeah, you know, yeah. Mead were the team that you never had down. I think most, of those, down most down. of those philosophies, you know, quote unquote, are, are very transient. Mm. Then you look at you look at a team like my own, and are they destined never to win? <laughs> well, is, is that destiny there? It does sometimes. Uh-huh. It does some, sometimes seem that way. So it's kind of a negative. Well, it's probably destiny. the best example of modern in modern era sport of the, of what we perceive to be destiny. Following this discussion, is Mayo's problem destined yeah. to failure? Yeah. But I mean, that's a very that's a real powerful t- thing for anyone playing against them now, isn't it? That you're, if the oh, other team think we're, de- no, we're yeah, now, it's this definitely is a factor. Out. Yeah, I mean, if I was in a player with me or a manager, I, I wouldn't give it a second thought. But I mean. The, Oh, it definitely is. Yeah, you can. You know, and it it keeps recurring all the time. Unfortunately, you know. Yeah. We're um we're awfully destined to win that final. No, they weren't <laughs> destined. No, we're afterwards. They weren't destined to win it. But um, I have to say, the, the one thing I looked at that when I knew Eugene was on, I I, I don't remember the nineteen eighty two All Ireland final myself now, but I remember I looked at it last night on YouTube. Just a few little highlights, and I'm talking about the black car thing earlier on as well. I have to say, like. The highlights were fantastic. Like the long range, you talk about long range freeze. The oh, long yeah, range yeah, freeze yeah. in that game oh, that was, was phenomenal. The of the time, yeah. But yeah. not only that, like Seamus Darby's little, was there a touch on the back maybe, possibly, yeah. but there was no complaints whatsoever. Like, there was, was nothing. No. That was the hand of no. God. Uh, it was the hand of God, hand of God fulfilling yeah. destiny. Um, but you can imagine nowadays. Was John O'Keefe. Uh, uh, no. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, oh, Jesus Tommy, Tommy Doyle. Had, he, he, he was helped out of the way very slightly. Yeah, just slightly. <laughs> the, the problem, his problem was he was a left half back normally in Gaelic football. The, the, the teams were very stereotyped at them. If you're number seven, you played there. You know, yeah. he didn't go all over the field. And he, the guy who was who was on him, we took him off, John Guinan, and Darby was replaced. But Darby didn't, as was normal. Then he did as abnormal. Then he didn't go in on Tommy Doyle. Didn't go in right half forward. He went in left corner forward. And as as also normal at the time in GA, the, the the guy who picked up the sub went after him, and Tommy Doyle ended up corner back for the first time in his life. And when that ball came in, uh, he realised suddenly there was nobody. Jesus, there's nobody behind me here, and probably an element, a bit of panic, apart from maybe a nudge. But I mean, normally a wing half back would always he he know there'd be somebody behind me if it, if I miss miss time the pass some somebody come behind me that was a small factor in it as well which I, I love the uh, the term uh, uh, the hail mary pass which I think came from Amer- Amer- America but 
a few years ago, uh, one of Monaghan's modest GA successes was, I think, 2005. They got to the Division Two final against uh, Meath, and it was quite right. glamorous because it was uh, a chaired billing with the Division One finals. So There's yeah. fifty thousand in Crow Park, big crowd, and we're uh, entertaining very open game to completely naive defences who are leaking, like, leaking uh, scores all the way through. But the last minute injury, I think two minutes of injury time. Uh, Monon are two points down. We've sort of accepted defeat. We get a free from 60 yards or something and Chap Finney, our free taker, has no choice. I think he's told it's the last kick of the game so he has no choice but to drop it in the square which he does rather expertly and the uh, big Meath, I think the, one of the Meath midfielders is put back on the line and the sensible thing to do and this is presumably was what he was trying to do was to tap the ball over the bar. Mm. They, they'd have won by a point but he went up and it slid off his slid off his gloves into the net. I was in the middle of. I uh, was talking to. Was it Leash were playing Armand? The, I was talking to, to some Leash supporters. I think, and I was, in, you know, explaining, being philosophical about our defeat, and explaining how you know this. There's, there's a bit of yeah. There's a bit of uh, grounds for hope here. We have a couple of good players coming up. Tommy Freeman. He looks a bit useful, and and in the mid, I was mid sentence when the ball went in the net. And the game was over, as well as, look, we'd scored a goal, the game was over, we'd mm-hmm. won. There was a pitch invasion going on, and I turned to the leashman, and I said, you have to excuse me, I think I have a pitch to invade. <laughs> 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 we, could, we still could invade pitches then. Unfortunately, we've said a few Hail Marys in the, inter- in the years <laughs> since, and they have not been answered. Uh, uh, very quickly, we're almost out of time, lads. Thanks very much today, but um, who's going to win the Masters, John? Wait, let's just look up to destiny, <laughs> destiny there and see... I think it's wide open. I think Surely it's going to be. It's Tigers now. It's uh, no, the um, it's destined. It, it you would say Destiny would have a part in it for Tiger Woods to win all right, but I don't think he's playing good enough. He's at the moment he's winning because he's putting phenomenally well, better than anyone else in the world, gaining nearly three shots around on the green. So that won't keep going. Rory, I don't think is tuned in enough yet. He needs another couple of weeks playing. I've picked Matt Matt Kuchar, which like last night watching the golf last night on TV, they're saying he's. Scrambling is phenomenal, so I'm saying Kuchar yeah. to win, and an American, unfortunately, an American. I think. Will you watch the Masters? Are you a Masters? Oh yeah, definitely. yeah. I love rugby. I love. I admire any of the individual sports at the top level. I mean, I can't. I can't even appreciate what the what the top tennis players do. To last three hours or three and a half hours with no assistance from anybody, might go to the toilet once. Drink water, and it's incredible what they do. Comparison to the team, look at the team has has an individual as a backing of a whole team. He has an army of people on the line sideline. Oh, people run in with fake injuries and tell them nice things and all that stuff. But I mean, the tennis player and the golfer, well, the golfer has the has his caddy, I suppose. But I mean, it's, I admire, I have, I admire the, their nerve. I really admire the nerve of the ten, of the golfers. Oh, you are out there. Everyone remembers poor Rory two years ago there at the Masters, yeah. and when it collapsed, there's no hiding place. <laughs> yeah. The meltdowns, and it really was like for, for the guy to come back from that is phenomenal. But I think that that's part of the reason why I don't think Rory. I still don't think you get over that when you go back to a place like that in sport. Like and I know myself playing golf. You haven't been in a place in a while, and you go and play, it and you suddenly remember. Oh, I remember the last time I was here, I hit this. Yeah. Is this the same place he, he collapsed in the last time? Two years ago, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Boston, yeah. It's where he discovered a cabin that none of us knew existed. <laughs> Frank, will you be watching? I, I, I watch it. I'm not the biggest fan of golf, but I do admire that the Masters. It's just lovely to look at. All yeah. that greenery is, is is very soothing to watch. All those magnolia trees. Uh, you feel like you're. You, you watch it long enough you feel like you're in, in the deep south yeah. as a golfer is it green is there lots of lovely trees there I didn't even notice uh, yeah you're just trying not to hit them That's our panel today my thanks to Eugene McGee to John Kelly and to Frank McNally great stuff uh, folks we've got to take a quick break right back after these